It's time to check in with Doc Rob and the concierge for better living. We take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. The Concierge for Better Living will help informed, intrigued, and interested listeners like you make better choices for yourselves and your loved ones. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents The Concierge for Better Living with your host, Doc Rob. Hello and good day. This is Doc Rob, Dr. Rob Streisfeld, your concierge to better living here at CannabisRadio.com. This is another wonderful day, another great show in in store for you, and I hope you're enjoying the week. Uh, I've been traveling a bit. Summer's in full effect. was just up in New York. Going to be back up there again real soon, working on some projects up there. And, uh, you know, New York is where I'm from, a home base. Love it. Love to go back upstate. And... uh, you know, things are bubbling, especially in the cannabis world. So it's my pleasure today uh, to have uh, one of the leaders in the cannabis space for New York, Hillary Peckham and Etain Health, uh, the only women-run uh, cannabis company in New York. And uh, great to have you on the show, Hillary. How's it going today? It's going well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I, I was really excited to have you on the show and learn, have our listeners learn more about Etain. I, I love the women-run, women-focused. Uh, my, my company, Beyond Brands, which is also based in New York, is, is major- we're multiple partners, but we're majority women-run and women-partner-led. So I love that approach. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be anything right now without my, my better half, my partner, Lori. So it's, it's great to have that movement going on and beyond the women run thing i know that's a, a key point but you guys are running a solid business and cannabis in new york is definitely uh, emerging and, and a hot commodity what got you into the cannabis space in the first place so it was actually uh, my mother's idea so uh, we're a mother-daughter company and family owned um, and run uh, in addition to being women owned and run uh, awesome. and so my yeah uh, so it, uh, family dinners are very interesting uh, my mother came up with the uh, concept for this after uh, witnessing how end-of-life care could be mismanaged. Um, my grandmother was diagnosed with ALS, and she was her full-time caretaker. And uh, by the time uh, that basically uh, right near the end of my grandmother's life, uh, she was on over 20 different medications. And uh, oftentimes, you know, a physician's response was, well, you know, we can't fix her condition. She's dying anyway. We'll just keep adding on more medications without thinking about how those will interact with each other. And so oftentimes her symptoms were worse from the medication she was on than uh, from actual condition. And so a doctor at one point had recommended to find marijuana and we could not uh, find it. And so we went searching for uh, the cannabis industry in general to even see if this was legitimate and there was no legal program in New York um, and really got captured by the anecdotal evidence uh, that was occurring in all the other states and, and were inspired to do something to change uh, people's quality of life, particularly in palliative care and end-of-life care. And so uh, for me as well, the reason I joined my mom um, was uh, in doing this research, um, I was inspired because I had lost the use of my right leg for two years after a failed hip surgery and saw how pain management can be mismanaged. And 
the only thing I could be given for my um, condition was, you know, Adderall and Percocet. And that doesn't really get me through my day and, and give me a quality of life. And so um, I was inspired by her vision. And um, the two of us kind of set out in 2014, 2015 to put together a team and apply in New York. I'm a fourth generation New Yorker. So um, it just made sense to do it here because this is home. I love it. I love it. And I, and I appreciate you sharing that. I mean, even at myself as a naturopathic doctor, I got into it because I wasn't well. I had my own challenges with talking to doctors about digestive health and reflux, and no one was really giving me answers. They were just giving me a, a pill. And so I went to study and learn, and I went. that's where it motivated me. And, and then over the last few years, something that you brought up, which is the caretaker, the caregiver model, is, is really a, a a bad state. I'm, you know, all over the country, but I'm between Arizona and Florida and New York and a lot of elder care. Unfortunately, I had just, I lost my mom three years ago and, oh. and three grandparents within the same three years. So it was like, I, I was not only a doctor, I was their patient advocate. I was their caregiver. I was watching my other loved ones and helping to take care of them because they were stressed about being caregivers like my father. And this is a, this is a multifaceted thing that cannabis can help in a lot of different ways. Like I said, from pain to even mood. I mean, I used you know, THC to provide a euphoria to my mom when she was down, depressed, and miserable. And some people think that's a bad thing, that psychoactive benefit of THC, but I used it medically and therapeutically. Um, at the same time, I got her off of a handful of anti-epileptic drugs and down to just one using other compounds found in the cannabis plant as well, effectively. So I, I think it's really important for the patients as well as the caregivers to find uh, the proper use for cannabinoids and cannabis therapeutics. I, yep. I, I completely agree. And I think, you know, a lot of times, if, unless you've been through it, you don't, people don't recognize how much of an impact like a loved one being sick and going through this has on the actual family members and the, and the caretakers for at least people. Um, and, you know, often, you know, the families are, are suffering uh, in, in a similar amount <laughs> as the patient. And so being able to find alternatives for um, people suffering doesn't just help them, it helps their, their family and gives the whole family a quality of life and, and helps them better support the person that is actually uh, ill. Um, and so, for us, you know, uh, we weren't able to provide that for my grandmother, but, you know, all the patients that we see now, uh, their whole family is looking for anything, any sort of alternative that could give them quality of life and, and just give them peace of mind. Um, even if it, you know, won't cure a condition, which oftentimes we see success uh, that way too, but just offering relief, I think, is invaluable. For sure. And I've seen it from my career, even before the end of care, end of life care, but even with autism and some of these children issues, um, you know, the, the parents are, are often neglected. Um, and, you know, everything from the canna moms, everyone else that you know that's out there, it's like, great, the kids are, are being treated, they're getting better, but, you know, the parents are not sleeping, they're on their own anti-anxiety medications. They, or smoking, they, you know, drinking, like, you know. yep, and, and they can't go to work, they can't, uh, you know, do, do the things that they used to do um, you know we have patients um, particularly with pediatric patients uh, like their parents um, once they see success with their child in the, in the treatment um, you know they they get a job again or you know we've had them come in and just bring us like a cake or cupcakes or something just because you know they had the time suddenly to do that um, yeah. uh, and you you don't think about how much of an impact particularly a child can have um, on just an entire family's functioning. And, and I agree, they're definitely often uh, 
you know, neglected or, or uh, just not considered uh, when you're looking at the the patient. For sure. There's a lot of nuances. Like I said, I, you know, I spoke to doctors and I was their intermediary or advocate more than just being their physician, just understanding what they were going through from a physical and mental state. These are big things. And cannabis, again, works on the physical and the emotional and the spiritual aspects of the plant. And when uh, produced properly, when grown and, and, and processed properly, and also sold with the right intention, you know, to help people feel better, not just for profit. Um, yep. I think that these are all really key components of a successful industry that's just, again, growing and maturing, but it, it's, it, we still have a long way to go. Uh, yeah, I think also, you know, that what that really has given us um, in our business is, you know, firsthand knowledge and experience of what our, our customers and our, our patients are experiencing. So when we approach the products we produce and the care that we provide, it's all with that intent of an understanding and empathy for the people that come in our doors. And um, we do try to make sure each person has individual care. Um, they get a meeting with a pharmacist, uh, a licensed New York state pharmacist when they come in uh, and we manage, you know, all the contraindications between whatever they're on and cannabis. Um, and we're able to really guide them and, you know, hold them by the hand and take them through this process. And I think that if I hadn't uh, experienced uh, the healthcare system in the way that I did myself, uh, that I, we wouldn't have this same perspective. And I think uh, it's something that makes us successful in uh, providing care for our patients. I love it. And I think that's also one of my buddies over in Connecticut, uh, Ethan Ruby at Theraplant. The reason why he's so successful is he's also firsthand. He was in a car accident. He's paraplegic. He understands the challenges that patients of all types deal with. And I think he runs a better company because of that personal impact, that personal re relationship to the to the medicine and to the industry itself. So I, I, again, I think it's a wonderful scenario that you guys have that experience and that heart uh, within your business model. Plus, again, doing work. I've always been in a family business, uh, <laughs> grew up in it. So I, I love that part of it. I, I, I missed being able to call my grandma for business advice, uh, cause she was the matriarch, but it was, you know, yeah. from experience, they come from, you know, an understanding sometimes that you don't have and together the youth and the, and, and, and the, and the parents and the elders can really bring some good business together. I think it's, it's a great combination. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, with the family aspect of things, that's also contributed to our success because at this point, we're the only um, privately held and, and women owned and family owned of all the companies in New York State. And um, it's a, a difficult market because of how restrictive it is and, and medically, pharmaceutically focused. Um, but having family to rely on, uh, you know, my sister is our uh, horticulturalist so she's in charge of the cultivation my brother-in-law is in charge of extraction you know we really uh, are all family in this and I think that it allows us you know we work longer hours but we and we're all committed to the same goal in a way that um, you know, I don't know that I'd be able to duplicate if I, I didn't have them with me. I, I, that's awesome. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, don't go anywhere. I'm going to continue this conversation with Hillary Peckham from Etain, uh, operating and, and rocking the New York market. This is Doc Rob, your concierge for better living. We'll be right back to this quick break. The concierge for better living will continue in a moment. Educate, empower, and engage in the evolution of the cannabis industry. Join thousands of industry professionals on August 3rd and 4th in Miami, Florida for the return of the U.S. Cannabis Conference and Expo. Register for an early bird discount now at usccexpo.com. That's usccexpo.com. 
Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA free and lead free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the US. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Now available for pre-order through crowdfunding for just $14 plus $10 shipping. Pouches, premium mixing and rolling pouches allow you to carry and prepare your herbs for consumption with discretion and ease. These stylish pouches are handcrafted using strong zips, long-wearing buffalo leather outside, and smooth sheepskin inside. A portion of proceeds go to fund vital medical research into cannabis for ADHD. See a demo and get yours now on Indiegogo or Pouches.com. That's P-O-U-C-H-Z.com. Let's check back in with Doc Rob and the concierge for better living only on CannabisRadio.com. And we are back once again. We're talking with Hillary Peckham from Etain, Etain Cannabis Company. You know, you, I have a beef, and I'm allowed to have this beef because I read the stuff that says you're in upstate New York. And being a New Yorker, that's a very broad spectrum. So, you know, I, I, went, I, I lived in New York City. I'm from the Catskills. I went to SUNY Albany. And upstate is, is a pretty good. So you guys have, what, how many dispensaries are you operating currently in New York? So we have four dispensaries, uh, Syracuse, Kingston, Yonkers, and New York City. Our cultivation uh, facility is, is in actual upstate New York. It's in Warren County above Lake George, um, and we cultivate and manufacture there as well. Awesome. Yeah, you know, I, I can. You get what I'm saying. Some of the listeners don't understand, but when you leave Manhattan and you basically uh, Westchester yeah. County, you're like, okay, that everything else is upstate, but I could be 45 minutes away or four hours away, and it's just upstate. Yep. Well, so. when you're in Manhattan, upstate is like just outside of the city, and then when yep. you're just outside of the city, it's like an hour north, and then when yeah, you get yeah. there, it, you know, it just keeps going, and then and then you reach Canada. Exactly. <laughs> and then boop, you cross the border. Um, yeah. No, very cool. I, uh, as I said, went to SUNY Albany, and I had roommates from Rockland County all the way up to Rochester, and we always kind of battled what who was the real upstater. But <laughs> yep. you know, and, and I'm setting up a you know a, a project in Western Sullivan County out near uh, Monticello, out in that area, um, because that's where I'm from. And, and again, doing it because. Uh, a, I believe in the plant. A, I believe in the power. You know, I believe in what it can do for everyone. But also because I want to do something that supported family and friends, like where I grew up, local communities, people that you know. When we had a small business growing up, it was uh, we bought from or we hired this person locally, and they bought from us, and we all worked together as a community to make it through the next year. You know, this is part of yep. our, our culture. And, and I wanted to do something like that, just like family run business, which we had. We also support yep. the local communities and I'm super excited to get something set up where I'm from. And I love that New York in general as a growing market, 
Uh, one of the things you just said about Boop There's Canada is I see that New York has the potential down the road, years down the road, for an export or import-export relationship from Canada uh, where other states maybe don't have that opportunity. And I think that that also maybe holds some potential down the road. But the New York State itself, the market there, is a lot of potential. I was very excited about uh, the K Jacob Javits conference a couple weeks ago um, that we attended. Your booth was rocking. There was a lot of people coming around and, and looking the story, and I think that was really a, was a pretty good show for you guys, don't you think? Absolutely, and it was great to see all the other uh, entrepreneurs that are there. I, I loved that conference. I think this year was really amazing um, and inspiring for all of us, and then it was great you know, to get feedback and, and more awareness about our company there. Um, especially being located um, at 39th and Lexington, being able to direct patients there, I think was a really great opportunity for us. Yeah, no, you guys were definitely representing, and, and you know, that's what I love. I mean, I went around the show. We do plenty of trade shows, and I like to find the companies that, you know, there's always nice packaging. There's always this and that. But, again, the story behind the company, the, the intention behind the company, and the quality behind it. So what are some of the – obviously, we mentioned pain. What are some of yep. the key things that you guys are seeing uh, in the New York market of, from, a, from a patient base? I mean, if, if the governor signs something in tonight, which is the rumor has it that he may go after an adult use, re legalize cannabis recreational for New York State, that would be huge. I don't know how that affects you guys from a, a, a license yep. holder or a medical standpoint, but I think the state in general has huge potential. Uh, Yes, yeah, there's definitely potential in, in New York, and we've seen a lot of growth. When we opened our doors, there were only 50 patients statewide, and I think at this point, there's um, over 100,000 that have been registered in the program, so it's definitely been growing over time. Um, it still has a long way to go to match, you know, uh, other states, the kind of population that's participating, and so I'd like to continue to see expansion in the program. Uh, I think the, the most predominant condition we see at this point is chronic pain. Um, and we saw a huge spike in patient counts, and I think, you know, a lot of people uh, suffer from pain every day, and they don't want to take uh, either over-the-counter uh, drugs or, or prescription opioids, and so they're looking for an alternative, and so that's been hugely popular. Um, I uh, think, you know, unfortunately, uh, there was uh, word just given today that the legalization effort um, has stalled and is not going to go through um, with some um, public announcements saying that, it, that it, it's died in, in the legislature. But there is still uh, open a medical bill um, that will expand the conditions to be so that cannabis can be treated just like any other pharmaceutical. So it, rather than a legislated list of conditions that's dictated by the Assembly and the Senate, um, uh, we will have doctors being able to recommend cannabis at their own discretion for anybody that they think will benefit. And I think that will be a huge um, step in the right direction for the medical program. Um, and I'm hoping that that means a lot more patients will be able to have access to the program than do now. I think that's really good. I mean, again, it's more about access. Just like I, I mean, I work within dispensaries in Arizona, and I was actually glad that they stayed the course with the medical program and didn't go adult use when California and Nevada did. I think that their medical program has actually grown, expanded, and improved as a result of the focus being placed on it. Um, of course, they're looking for when they can have adult use. I mean, I think adult use nationally is going to be the goal, um, but I think that 
the key is is having access to this medicine for people that need it. And that's the first and foremost thing. When I was dealing with my mom sick and family and sick in Florida, that was the biggest issue was we couldn't get access to any of the medicine that we needed uh, for their conditions, even if they qualified. So it's great to see that that's you know emerging and growing and and uh, yep, and that it's still a focus. I think that yeah. will be really important is to make sure that you know even if adult use didn't pass that you know the medical program is still given a lot of consideration. And I think even if adult use were to pass. Um, one of my fears and, and one of my hopes was that they still make a huge push to try and maintain a medical program because I think that um, particularly the way New York set it up allows for um, a really great collection of data that can be used in a federal argument or other states coming online um, and also high quality products uh, that for particularly immunocompromised people are, are necessary uh, that you wouldn't find in an adult use market because you don't need to be held to those standards for people who are generally healthy. I think that's a key point. And one of the other points we were talking about in you know, another conversation was that, you know, sometimes maybe we need to look at this plant from a perspective of what's in the product at the at the end, like on the shelf versus what's in it in the field. So those that are growing, let's say cannabis or hemp, you know, it doesn't really, the, the, the amount or uh, percentages of cannabinoids isn't as important there as it is to, let's say if you're extracting it and putting it into capsules or pills or products, how, what's the final percentage of it? I think that we have a lot of uh, learning to do in the sense of how we regulate and manage and dispense this type of, of, of product. But as much as people are processing it and making it into finished goods, I'm still a believer of a whole plant, whole food type of approach to cannabis as well. So there's so many different amazing you know, perspectives of this plant that, um, like I said, no matter what happens from a legislative perspective, we're going to see it move forward. And the main yeah. thing is that more and more people have ex get educated, have exposure in a positive way from a quality product, from a quality provider, and then be able to promote this plant going forward. And then that's how Absolutely. we mass movement. So. I definitely agree. And I think, um, you know, uh, it's not just about cannabinoids and what the the content is but it's creating a consistent product so that patients know that they could rely every time they purchase it it's the same and then um, all the other aspects of the plant in terms of microbials mold uh, you know pesticides that you use and everything else that comes with it to make sure that it's safe to consume and so uh, we look at all those and and then you know outside of that what ingredients are you using and how safe are they uh, do they promote allergies themselves and so those are all things that we look at whenever we create a product to make sure that we're we're providing as uh, best a therapy that we can for our patients I love it. It's awesome. And again, that was the feedback. I, I kind of played secret shopper and asked a bunch <laughs> of questions at your, at, your, at your booth and talked to different people. And, and I love, that's what I do. I, I don't want to tell them who I am or what I know already. I kind of like to say, uh, tell me about yourself a little bit. What makes you special? Uh -huh. and then, then I can kind of evaluate that from that perspective. And you guys have <laughs> a lot of boxes checked. And that's why it really was great to have you guys on the show today. We're going to take Thanks a quick so break and uh, we'll come back. Don't go anywhere. We're going to still wrap this up with Hillary Peckham from Etain Health in New York. Uh, again, I'm enjoying this conversation. If you are in New York, if you're anywhere, we've got to be promoting this plan. We've got to be promoting it. Quality products and good access for patients in need. And whether you think you're looking at it from a recreational standpoint or you have a specific condition, the plan's going to make you feel better. And that's the bottom line. It's going to help you feel better. And this is what we're here for, for a better lifestyle, a better quality of life. So we're going to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. This is Doc Rob, your concierge for better living at Cannabis Radio. 
We'll be right back at this, this commercial message. The Concierge for Better Living will continue in a moment. Educate, empower, and engage in the evolution of the cannabis industry. Join thousands of industry professionals on August 3rd and 4th in Miami, Florida for the return of the U.S. Cannabis Conference and Expo inside the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. Register before May 1st for an early bird discount of 50% off now at usccexpo.com. That's usccexpo.com. Join us for the 2019 U.S. Cannabis Conference and Expo August 3rd and 4th in Miami. Register now at usccexpo.com. Expo.com. The National Cannabis Industry Association's 6th Annual Cannabis Business Summit and Expo returns to San Jose, California's McInerney Convention Center July 22nd through the 24th. Register today at CannabisBusinessSummit.com and take part in the most influential, award-winning cannabis conference and trade show hosted by the cannabis industry's only national trade association. NCIA's Cannabis Business Summit and Expo offers attendees three days of engagement and interactive programs. Arrive early so you can participate in our pre-conference workshops and off-site tours. Join hundreds upon hundreds of exhibitors and thousands upon thousands of attendees at NCIA's 6th Annual Cannabis Business Summit and Expo, July 22nd to the 24th in San Jose, California. Register today at CannabisBusinessSummit.com. That's CannabisBusinessSummit.com. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Himping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint the business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Let's check back in with Doc Rob and the concierge for better living. Only on CannabisRadio.com. And we are back once again, and, you know, I'm feeling a little reminiscent, feeling a little homesick, perhaps. I need to get back up to New York. Uh, I might even be up as early as next week. As I said, there's, you know, lots of trade shows and conferences. Um, there was just a big BevNet a beverage conference, which had a, a big cannabis theme this year, um, as a lot of different uh, mainstream beverage companies are looking at how they're going to infuse products. Um, CBD meetings uh, with the FDA to see how they're going to regulate CBD within food and beverage. I know that's a big thing in New York. A lot of the bars jumped on that real quick, starting to do CBD infused, you know, cocktails and restaurants are starting to infuse CBD. What's your thoughts on that? I know that there's, I mean, there's definitely different perspectives, but what's your thought on the CBD movement going into this, you know, mainstream food and beverage market? You know, uh, I'm conflicted. I think, you know, it's brought a great wave of acceptance to the cannabis plant. Um, and that has been huge in moving uh, the whole conversation forward. Um, but I do think there are big differences between uh, CBD that you find, like even out of the gas station in New York, and the products that we provide. And I think, uh, you know, where I get concerned is a lack of regulation on CBD products where they might not even have any CBD in them. You don't know how much THC they've got in them, uh, any heavy metals or anything like that. 
So I think what I what would make me more comfortable with this whole movement is to see more regulation um, and more accountability brought to the producers because I think there's still a lot of snake oil um, out there and that really needs to uh, get get stopped. I'm with you on that. There's there's that point which is, you know, when you're in a licensed cultivation model and under regulatory, your products are going to have standardization and some quality control. Uh, right now, I mean, I know people can buy CBD oil, CBD isolate, make products, white label products, put it on the market, sell it on Amazon, and there's very little control. And I come from over 15, 16 years in nutraceuticals and the natural products industry. So I'm a big fan of getting some standards, some regu regulations. Um, and again, I also have a little concern that while even though CBD is, and cannabinoids are relatively safe, that if you don't know how much is in a product that's not being regulated and you're going out to here, you're taking your own vitamin in the morning then you're going out and having a lunch that happens to have a cbd infused hummus in it and then you go out at night and you have cbd in your drinks and you're, what what point does it defeat the purpose what point are we you know taking in too much uh i believe there was just one recent toxicology study that came out showing uh some harm potential harm with cbd well that may be an inaccurate or accurate research study that's going to open up a whole bunch of conversations on dosing and yep control and, and these are conversations that need to happen um, and we we absolutely have no idea what the long-term impact is because there haven't been you know double-blind studies there haven't been studies on on what the long-term impact of cbd is and it, it's yeah. not just what that will do but then also managing expectations because you also see a lot of cbd companies right now that are just making like claims that this is going to cure everything um and people are buying into it you know particularly we have patients who um because uh, they could buy it with their credit card or something, they as opposed to out of a dispensary where it's predominantly cash, um, they go to the sort of the uh, online CBD market and they order something. And, you know, where it's really uh, tragic is if it's for their child and they think, you know, okay, I can get it at a reduced cost um, for my child and I can afford this and so I'm going to order it online. Um, and all of their seizures come back and they uh, still have uh, all their symptoms. Um, whereas if they were using our products, they're still held under control. Um, and when you buy from like the legal medicinal market, you're also generally getting a higher THC content, not necessarily enough to provide a psychoactive effect, but enough that the CBD is more effective using the entourage effects and everything like that than I you get that. if you just you had um, isolate. And so um, people uh, get confused by the claims, by all the media surrounding CBD. And then, you know, it can really lead to a very bad medical outcome because there isn't the education out there and there isn't the regulation to stop people from making these kind of claims. I love that. And I appreciate you sharing that. That's kind of where I was going, which was, you know, I've also promoted that as much as I like CBD, you got to have a little THC and, and maybe, you know, you, you might want to stick within some of the more whole cannabis marijuana producers right now, cultivators, than some of these overnight startup CBD product companies, because number one, you know, you're going to have the, the, from the vertical integration from the growing to the, the product shelf on the shelf. And then you're also going to have that little bit of THC that does make a difference. So I'm glad you shared that. I appreciate you coming on the show today, Hillary, and talking a little bit about Etain. I know that our listeners are all over the country and all over the world, but for me, especially, I want to see New York be a leader in this industry and we've got to have leading brands and leading growers 
to, to do to make that happen. So uh, thank you again. I know we'll have you back on. I want to keep tabs on your company and how you guys are growing and uh, you know, even maybe some offline conversations about some collaboration in our New York projects. So again, this has been a wonderful show. Where can they go learn more about your company, your website? So you could follow us on Instagram. Um, it's at E-T-A-N-E-T-A-N-E-T-A-N-E-T-A-N-E-T-A-N-E-T-A-N-E-T-A-N-E-T-A-N-E-T-A-N-E-T-A-N-E-T-A-N-E-T-A-N-E-T-